And now to unpack those market moves in greater detail, I'm joined by Vessel Hubert from Oyster Catcher Investments. Vessel, always a pleasure. Good afternoon. Yeah, always nice being here. All right, Vessel, let's look at that market performance. Green screens in Europe, green screens here at home, but no joy for the RAND. <laughs> I suppose uh, you have to look at the offshore market data to kind of explain that. Mm -hmm. um, but we have actually been a little bit puzzled recently by the movements in the RAND. Mm -hmm. It weakened, I think, over the weekend. It had that, that big weakening without any specific data. Uh, so we suspect we had some hedging of some deals that went through. And the RAND seems to have kept at those levels with strong data coming out of the US specifically. Uh, I don't think we're seeing interest rates coming down as soon as the market expected. So it might be better when you're currently getting around about 5% yield for your US Treasuries, which T-Bills, it's quite a good return, right? Mm -hmm. So we think uh, you might have a couple of investors staying offshore or taking the money back into the US. I mean, let's talk about the US, right? We saw retail sales data coming out of that country yesterday. That just shows that, you know, people are still buying. <laughs> you know, it's a high inflation mm. environment or higher than, than usual. It's a higher than usual interest rate environment, but demand is still high. And that demand could continue to drive up inflation. So what do you see from this picture? Yeah, I mean, usually, so the, the January, um, December and January numbers are a little bit difficult to read. You have to read them combined, uh, just because December is a very, very strong month. January is always a slightly weaker or a much weaker month, actually. So seasonally adjusted uh, retail sales were up about 3%, which was still quite strong in the US. Um, and as you mentioned, you would expect with interest rates going up, kind of some pressure on the consumer, which doesn't seem to be coming through at this stage. There is something to note in those results, though. 20% of the retail number comes from vehicle and vehicle parts. Um, that has still been strong, up 2.8% year-on-year. But within that, when you look at the CPI for the used car market, prices in the used car market have come down by about 12%. Now, a portion of it is from there was a scarcity of cars uh, through COVID as guys couldn't produce. But it's a number that we have to keep a close eye on because it is also usually quite a, a nice leading indicator of where demand is um, in the consumer bucket, I suppose, especially on the slightly lower LSM bucket. Uh, so that seems to be softening a little bit, but overall the, the retail numbers were very, very strong. Mm -hmm. uh, we did expect them actually to start weakening a little bit earlier when you, I don't know if you remember in the US, you had quite a lot of COVID support that topped up for quite some time, propped up savings. And by our estimate estimates, those savings should be done by now. Mm. So in theory, the consumer should be spending money that they don't have anymore. Now you might be able to do that for a little while, spending out of credit, but that does come to an end. So the strength in the US retail numbers actually surprised us quite nicely. All right, so it's nothing, nothing to worry about, right, um, from an inflation perspective and what um, the US Fed may do next. Is that something that we should, you know, be keeping a very close eye on? Mm. Particularly on the US inflation, what seems to be very persistent um, is the wage inflation. Uh, that has been the one that's been keeping it up. So the best, I suppose, guide we have of that is where uh, earnings are going and unemployment. Um, it looks like there's quite a few firms in the US that are uh, retrenching or right-sizing. And it does seem as though it's starting to filter through to the economy. 
but we haven't seen any evidence of that in the numbers yet. Mm -hmm. So until you see the evidence, I think inflation might be a little bit stronger uh, for a little bit longer. But when I say that, I mean, the market is quite short term focused on inflation. Mm -hmm. We usually look a quarter or a year out, mm -hmm. whereas I, it's very likely that in two years time, inflation will be quite a bit lower than where it is now. Really, I'm crossing fingers, uh, Vessel, we all need it. Let's look over to Vodafone. Um, you know, the prospects of doing something, we don't know what, with Vodacom. It is a rumor now. I've heard people say you buy the rumor and you sell the truth. Uh, we don't know yet. But what do you think, um, Vessel? You know, Vodacom is a really good African business. It is. It's honestly, it's one of the, I think, best emerging market uh, telcos out there. I will. That being said, we, we've got two of them in our country at least. Um, it's a very well-managed business. They've got good scope uh, of the African continent. Recently, they've been expanding into Africa quite a bit. So for anybody wanting to enter the African market, it becomes a very, very attractive asset. Um, but it is a complicated transaction nonetheless. Mm. Um, we've had these rumors that somebody is poking around um, to do something with the Vodafone African assets. I think they started around about November in last year, or November of last year. Um, that's when they started surfacing. Now they've resurfaced. So I think there is some truth in it that they are most likely somebody's looking at these assets. If it'll get to a deal, uh, we don't know yet. So the most likely suitor at this stage is Eti Salat. Uh, they actually own 11% stake in Vodafone. So if we know they are interested in African operations and they do want to uh, increase their exposure to African operations. Vodacom, coincidentally, has a lot of presence in a lot of countries that they don't have. So Etisala is very focused on the west of Africa, whereas Vodacom is more south and east Africa. And then what you have is there's only one country of overlap. Unfortunately, it's one that Vodacom recently acquired, so Vodafone Egypt. There they might have to decide whose asset they keep but I don't think that's end of the world. There's usually quite a lot of overlap um, and a lot of things to sort out with these types of transactions. So it will be quite a good a good acquisition if uh, Eti Salat or so wanted to go after it. The second part of it is also they do seem to have the balance sheet to do it. Mm -hmm. So it increases, I suppose, the probability of a deal like that getting done. The second part of it is Vodafone owns 65% of Vodacom. Mm -hmm. It used to be 60, around about 60, 61%. Um, and then Vodafone sold Vodafone Egypt to uh, Vodacom uh, and they issued some shares to, to Vodafone Egypt, increasing their stake to 65% in Vodacom. So there might be a deal to be done uh, between Etisalat for their holding and the Vodafone holding. Vodafone also recently had a couple of uh, activist investors mm -hmm. trying to unlock some value out of the business, usually unlocking value uh, by selling off a couple of assets, reducing debt and so on. Mm -hmm. um, incre increasing multiples is what these guys are after. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, it is a rumor, um, but I think there is some substance behind it. All right. Well, as soon as we hear more, Vessel, uh, we'll be sure to be on the phone with you. I think you've got, um, you know, all of that, that organogram going for us. Thank you so much for your time. That was always to catch those vessels you bear.